game is bureaucratic. This is any event. Hey, this is Golf Club. Hey, what's up? It's Caster. Hey, this is Stylist. Hey, what's up? This is Cofresi. Hey, this is Jack London. Hey, this is Kiva. This is Cloud Cord. What's up? This is Wicked the Instigator. This is Jesse Breda. Hey, this is Jason Hand. Hey, this is Father Funk. Hey, this is Dunks from the Funk Hunters. This is Encanti. What's up, y'all? This is Unlimited Gravity. This is MCG. This is Max Future. Yeah, listen to the Green Room Podcast. This is the Green Room Podcast. And you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Co Paris, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. This is Fleming Ghosts, and you are listening to Green Room Podcast. All right, everybody. This week on GRP, we're having Supermodel Documentary Hour. Which starts with a nice face mask. 24 karat gold. It is. I got some cosmic <laughs> metallic peel-off brightening gold face mask. And Pat is so excited to try it. excited to try it. I've never done anything like this, you mm-hmm. guys. So we're going to apply it while we start talking about shit. I'm oh, going to go first. We're also here with Kaya. We have, Kaya is back, everybody. I'm back. Hi, Kaya. Hi, baby. Okay, so here I go. And you guys can talk. Okay. Oh, this is very gold. Is it? <laughs> sure is. Oh, God. Here I go. Here I go. Okay. Is that safe? Nope. To even you use? remind me of that chick that was like eating edibles and getting super stoned and doing those uh, makeup tutorials on Facebook. Do either of you guys see that? Uh, no. Oh, no. Oh, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. I yeah. want an edible. Yeah, right? <laughs> see? I oh. like it. <laughs> How do I look? I look like Cher. You look like someone at Coachella. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it is anyway. Welcome to GRP, everybody. This is a music podcast where we're putting on a face mask. <laughs> yeah. So you guys, Kaya and Megan, you guys just got back from a two week thing, right? Yeah. So what were you guys doing? A lot. Oh my god, we started in Tucson, Arizona, and we went to Gem and Jam. She performed on Sunday, so we got to enjoy the festival for Friday and Saturday, which was really nice. Um, we ended up having a lot of fun just getting to explore the art. There was so many artists, like visual artists there that like blew me away and the way the production, everything that they put together for the festival was really tight and they just, they pulled it off really well this year. I heard they took a year off just because things weren't going so well. Oh, okay. And, um, so they didn't have a gem and jam last year, but then this year would be their 10th year. And so they had moved from what I heard, they moved, um, locations. And the first year that they were there, a lot of people were sneaking in, you know, they lost a lot of money because of that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if security wasn't tight or if there's just like gaps in the perimeter or kind of what was going on. But so they decided to take a year off and then they came back swinging this year and it was really fun. Cool. And then you guys went east to Florida. Here, your mm-hmm. turn, Kyle. Oh, God. Okay. All right, All right Megan. Then How do I look? Oh, my God. <laughs> gold. You, you have a gold face. Uh, do Can't I? believe I'm... Anyway, uh, yeah, then we, we drove uh, all the way over. We went through Austin. And stopped and saw Pivotal. And the oh, how was the, pi- how was the Pivotal people? They were very busy. Oh, oh that sounds good. We made some bomb sushi, though. Oh, mm-hmm. my we God. Made su- me and Kaya made sushi poke. for the first time. Yeah. And poke and fresh. spring rolls. Yeah, fresh fish. Oh, it was so good. It was awesome. Yeah, we had some, like, really fresh ahi tuna that we made all that crap with. And it was Smells so like delicious. This, those, this it face mask? It a little bit. Really? Doesn't it? No? You I don't, don't smell know. that? It smells like... I just put it under my fucking nose. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got. I'm going to pick those boogers out. Um, But yeah, so we went through Austin. We made some sushi. Then we went over to New Orleans and stayed at um, Harris Casino. Oh, sick. It's uh, Caesars Casino in NOLA. Yeah. And we went down um, on Bourbon Street and we found this, you know, the thing that you're supposed to do on Bourbon Street is go get this thing called a hand grenade. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's the first place we went was the Tropical Isle to go get a hand grenade. But like on Bourbon Street, every it seems like every bar there's like there's like one of them like they they monopolized it. So there's like the same bar every three blocks. Tropical Isle or what the fuck was it? Well, like, there was like mango pizza and slushies too, and there was like a billion of those. Anyway, we Did walked we walked up to yeah you got uh, do a little more on your forehead. <laughs> um, we <laughs> we got. To the next tropical aisle, and they had a sign on the wall with this giant fake shark next to it. Oh yeah! And it said, "Get order a shark attack. It's not a cocktail. It's an experience." And so I'm naturally like, "That sounds ridiculous." And this has to be the most like dramatic thing on the planet, or just like the lamest. So I was like, asked the bartender, "I'm like, what's up with the shark attack thing?" 
And he just, like, shrugged at me and was just kind of like, eh, I don't know, you know. And I, he, like, made it, he was very underwhelming seeming when he did it. So I was, like, apprehensive. And I hear this lady down at the bar be like, they're really good. You should get it. And so I'm like, okay, fine. I'll take it. And he whips out this little cup that has, like, what looks like Sprite in it up to the top. And there's, like, a little alligator floating in it. And all at once, all these fucking, like, sirens go off. And there's, like, the robe starts strobing. Or the room starts strobing. And, like, he whips out a whistle. And it's just like, And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening right now? And he pulls a, this big old shark, like, out from under the bar and dives its head into my drink on the crocodile and just red goes everywhere. Oh, like, God. Like, looked like blood. And, and then and then the other bartender made it rain with napkins. He was like, woo! Yeah, threw napkins <laughs> I don't know everywhere. if that was part of it or if he was just, like, feeling like doing it. That but. was hysterical. Ooh, my face is starting to get tight. Ooh, how do I look, guys? Did Uh-oh. I miss a spot? Pat, oh, no. drip some into his beard. Oh, God. May you rest in peace. Oh, God. You need a little more. You need a bunch side. on your forehead. Oh, I do? You missed your forehead. Okay. Be generous. You look very glamorous, though. Thanks. Yeah. I feel good. You're glowing, you Pat. You look I very glowing. Speaking of Nordic. Yeah, right. You look very fat Tuesday. Oh. And we were like what a week before Mardi Gras. Yeah, we were a week before that. I so thought that Mardi was Gras was like so in pretty... in March. No, yep. it's February. February. Fat Tuesdays like February twenty seventh or something. Remember we oh, looked like yeah, yeah, yesterday. Yeah. This is pulling right? on my lips, no. y'all. Next, next. No, Tuesday. it's not. Even, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're off by like a week. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. Um. But yeah, so we went through Nola. That was fun. We got a shark attack. It was an experience. It was. Um. And then we drove to Pensacola and then over to Live Oak for Brain Quality Festival, which was also awesome. But we ended up the only reason we stayed in Pensacola for the night we were gonna go to Brain Quality on Thursday because the festival ran. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it ended up raining and storming really bad, and a tree fell on the grounds and ended up cutting the power <laughs> to the stage that Megan played on the next day. So they had no power. Like So the main stage, I think they, they ended up having power, and I think Manic Focus played, but on the smaller stage, only the first act of the day got to play, and everyone else either got canceled or was pushed to the next day. That's why our timeline was all fucked up. Yeah, and it was it was unfortunate, especially for, like, Maddie, because she yeah, was booked baby. to play on Thursday night, and then the storm happened, and she couldn't. And she had to fly out that next morning at 7 a.m. to go to Costa Rica for Shakti Sound Retreat. So she, like, literally flew down from Denver out of her way to Florida to go play a set that didn't happen, and then... They kept blue balls in her, I guess, all night, being like, we'll get you on in, like, an hour. So she, like, basically stayed up, like, all night just to have to go to the airport at, like, 5 in the morning. And then her flight got delayed, so she had to, like, take a bus or, like, drive herself to, like, another airport and then flew into Panama instead of Costa Rica. And, like... This is Maddie? Maddie had a really bad string of luck. That sucks. Anyway, she eventually made it, though, to Shakti Sound. She said it was, like, the most amazing retreat she's... Oh. ever done in her whole life you have to come I'd love next year, to Kyra. do that sometime yeah i think i'm gonna uh, do it next it. year so i would love that i'm gonna try to go teach so you should come down oh yeah absolutely. and that's what, what that's what gabrielle was just talking yeah, about. yeah gabrielle was just talking about that on the last episode if you guys didn't listen is to that, the hundred drums episode. is that does she she doesn't put that together no she's just she, there i think she was teaching she was teaching well, yeah yeah Maddie. yeah yeah and i guess it was like a hundred women so that's crazy that is awesome awesome because it's like you know it's what is the ratio of like guys to girls producing in this industry? It's pretty steep. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, mm. I think, you know, our guest today, um, who we'll talk to in a moment here, but she's probably one of the uh, trailblazers for even having those retreats. Elle has always been at the forefront of uh, educating women, especially yeah. about education in general, and like been on the forefront of, you know, like we're, we talk about in the episode of the glitch hop forum Mm -hmm. and has always just been able to like instigate a sense of community and been good at helping those communities thrive. And she's just like full of knowledge and she's always learning and she's, it's shocking how much she knows to me. It's really crazy. And Mm -hmm. it's even crazier is looking at all your gold faces right now. (laughs) I know that's why I keep staring at like the reflection. This is, it's really weird that I, cause I, didn't put it in my beard or try not to. So half of my, like my lower half of my face feels, feels really normal. loose. And then like the upper is part really is like tight? sucking yeah. into my brain right now. 
It's really strange. You look great, darling. Oh, thank you. I can't wait to peel it off. I feel like the weirdest part is your, like, chin, because you're using your mouth to talk. So I think, like, you're missing out on a crazy experience. Yeah, my mouth feels that way. I know. My lips feel like (laughs) I just had Botox or something. For real. (laughs) It's crazy. Anyway. How um, are we going to get it So we had to ask Kaya this. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had Kaya on as a a shell guest in a couple other episodes, or... Just it a couple just episodes one. ago, so yeah, far, I yeah. to say. Um, and Kaya is a sound engineer for First Avenue in Minneapolis and several other venues. She freelances a lot and does some sound engineering for me as well. So we wanted to ask you, off the top of your head, what are a couple of the craziest or of your favorite experiences that you've had working as a sound tech? Mm. Well, uh, so I got to mix... So this is a start with maybe not the craziest, but it was really cool how my life kind of came full circle is I was able to mix a couple of my college instructors that taught me how to do sound. I mixed their band recently. So I was able to like work side by side with them, going from like them as my mentor to them as my colleague, which is like a really cool kind of full circle thing. And um, so I was able to kind of like, and just, it was a reminder to myself on like how far I've come and like where I started with, was like, I had a good knowledge of music and I was always very technical, like, but that kind of like in the last five years, it's really come full circle. And I've combined the two to like create, you know, a profession that I love and that I can travel with and I can do all of the all the things that I love to do with, you know? And um, let's see, what else? I think I was thinking about it earlier when you told me, like, come up with the craziest things that, like, you've experienced at First Ave. And I was thinking, like, the two craziest things that ever happened at First Ave, I actually wasn't there for. One was, like... I think a year before I started when and the, the fucking ceiling collapsed. Oh yeah. yeah. That's right. And then another time when I was working, but I wasn't working that show, the venue got struck by lightning and it like blew some of our, um, it didn't blow our amplifiers, but it fried the networking cables linking them together. And so it was like in the middle of the show, the venue actually got like struck by lightning and <laughs> <laughs> of all fucking things. I know I was like, and I think that happened like last year and one of my colleagues was, was there and they had to like run up to the amp rack and they were like fucking scrambling, trying to like fix it because there's like 2000 people in the room. Like <laughs> right. what the fuck is going on? What's happening? And no one really knows like, the venue got struck by lightning. Like, I, I mean, how are you supposed to know? <laughs> yeah. right, right. Who is uh, who is playing the show? Do you know? I don't know who is playing, but I know who is working. Um, <laughs> that reminds me crazy? of if y'all haven't listened to the episode we do with Duncan from the Funk Hunters, you should oh, check God, that out. That's he a great has one. This great story about they were playing some festival in Canada, I think, and um, lightning struck the top pole of the tent that they were playing in, like this no huge fucking like, way. circus tent, you know. Mm-hmm. And this, it was like a Halloween show. Yeah. Um, and this guy in a clown suit shimmied up the pole and like put the fire out. No fucking way. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think Duncan said he was like tripping on acid. Duncan, who you just met. Yeah. I was gonna. I have yeah, a story lazy, after this. Lazy Syrup Orchestra played at Branquility, so oh, did Kaya they really? just met Duncan. Oh, oh we <laughs> were in their RV nice. like all night long. Oh, we that's had great. so much fun. We ended up grabbing their boss. I think it's like a 505 five channel loop pedal. Yeah, the one that Masigo uses yeah. on the Tadao video. Oh my everyone god. And their mother have seen that video. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we ended up bringing that out. It was like what I think. 1am or something like that and we would we decided to grab a mic grab a speaker and grab the loop pedal and just sit around the fire and like make these crazy beats and it was so fun we had like five of us <laughs> you're fucking hilarious <laughs> she's over here like wah, wah, wah. my face feels so weird just move it around i know i feel like i'm gonna <laughs> start that. going for it's it it's so weird it's just half it's the top half do of my that, he looks that concerned that one that's the, you look like a a statue or something <laughs> like the people in fucking uh new york that charge you oh yeah yeah money the- they're like sitting okay i seriously i think i gotta start going for it i'm yeah, gonna be like I, gold oh, member is this coming off yeah it's starting i don't even to. know where to start money. i know i didn't yeah. either but now i feel like gold member i need a box to put this in that- oh that's gross <laughs> <laughs> gross oh fuck Oh you started this. I know. This is a terrible <laughs> idea. Oh, mine's coming up. I thought okay, this was going to be a lot more painful than it was. After watching all those videos oh, of people putting the... Oh, oh, that's a good uh, peel. Yeah. Can you hear this, you guys? Ew. <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> so oh, that's gross. so gross. Do we get paid extra for this? Ew. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> 
People are gonna like tune out because of this. Okay, Goodbye, just skip like five or minutes just, forward, yeah, and it gets forward. so much better. <laughs> Honestly, though, I feel exfoliated already. I feel smooth. <laughs> Prepping myself how, for how beach. do you feel? I feel I feel He's the concerned. Same. I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah he looks I don't very know where concerned. to start. Here. <laughs> this has been the best idea I've ever had. So if everybody wants to know how this occurred, <laughs> I Ow, I had to go to water. Sally's Beauty the other day so that I could get hair dye. <laughs> and I had this on sale. <laughs> I knew Pat would love it, so <laughs> I decided to buy it. Oh, yeah. he's trying to do it in one piece. Oh my no. god! Ooh, Pat, that's a good one. It is. Yeah, it's like stuck in my hair. Ooh, yum. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you everybody for hanging out with me and Kaya and Pat. Up next, our amazing guest, Alicia. Yeah. Our first guest tonight is introducing special guest. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Alicia, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. everybody thanks for joining us on the green room podcast we got a really cool guest this time she goes by alicia how are you doing Elle? i'm awesome how are you good good where are you what part of the world are you in right now i am currently living in valencia spain that's awesome it's amazing how'd you find yourself over in valencia uh well uh and canty asked me to take his job for a year and that's basically the short answer um which is kind of cool because we mostly knew each other from festivals, but my vibe is he was like, oh, look at this person walking around with a spreadsheet and a Google calendar. Uh, <laughs> she seems like she'd be a good teacher. <laughs> so, so yeah, true. then uh, we kind of just uh, pulled some magic and then I en- ended up here and it was kind of nice because to be honest, I was just at that breaking point with touring where I was like, uh, literally two years ago on my birthday, I'd been in Barcelona going, I wish I could just take a year off and just eat seafood and Spain on the ocean and then this kind of happened so careful what you wish for <laughs> yeah I, yeah that's awesome I had remembered great. we had we were at lightning in a bottle together I think like right prior to this offer coming in for you and so mm-hmm. I remember you saying kind of you were frustrated with things a little bit and we're just tired of it of you know how tiring it is the grind yeah. yeah and you were kind of like juggling what you wanted to do next or whatever and then this kind of fell into your lap so that's awesome Yeah. And I mean, you know how the cycle is. It's just really easy to get caught up in this blender of like, uh, you know, I have two days a week to make music and it better be good and I better be able to play it in my set. And I just found that I was becoming really mechanical about my approach, you know, to the point where I was like, well, I better make 85 BPM because that's what the hole in my set is. And, you know, I don't want to write like that anymore. Yeah, totally. I feel like I get sucked into those kinds of traps as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do do you find yourself um, when you go like write music? write music these days um, a little bit more now open or the fact that you're teaching, do you, are you just kind of taking a hiatus from writing music as well? 
Oh, no. I mean, I, I kind of had to for the first semester because it was my first time full-time teaching and it was really intense. And um, and Canty is a great teacher, but he's kind of got his curriculum in his head. And so when he went to explain it to me, it was very cryptic and it was sort of just like, you know, talk about stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so uh, it was a little overwhelming for the first bit. And I kind of just had to every week plan. And, you know, it was honestly like being in school myself because no matter how well you know something, you never realize where the whole in your knowledge or the things you've forgotten are until you have to explain it in detail yep. to people. So I kind of had a little sabbatical over the fall and came out of it. And now um, I'm actually really inspired because one of the things I find is when you play hard to get with your time, whether it's with a job or something else, and you're not just aimlessly walking around in the studio, you, you, you're more focused, you know, like now when I go in, I have less time, but I kind of just go straight for it and get stuff done. And mm -hmm. I'm also teaching sound design now. So I'm really nerding out on a daily basis and I'm not being lazy that I, you know, I say lazy, like when I was on the road touring all the time, I would just make quicker decisions with things because I just didn't have the energy and the bandwidth. And now I can sort of be like, Oh, I actually need to prepare for the FM class. Let's just mm -hmm. play around with this weird sound for four hours. And, you know, as a result, I think the quality of what I'm doing is, is going up for sure. That's great to hear. Uh, I'm glad you brought up in Canty because Megan and I were just talking about 20 minutes ago when we just had him on, I think maybe two or three episodes ago as a guest, we totally forgot to ask him what class he was teaching. And now that you're, you took it over, you know, we can ask you, is it, is it sound design or are you teaching um, some other classes as well from him? Yeah. So it's part of an entire um, master's degree program of, of music technology. And so it kind of encompasses a full sort of curriculum. And in the fall, when everybody gets here, uh, I teach Ableton to everybody, mm -hmm. um, just basics of Ableton. And then in the spring, it, it morphs into sound design. Uh, I still teach Ableton to undergrads uh, because there's a rotating undergrads per semester. And another thing uh, that's a huge component of the Ableton course is live performance. So that's a really fun thing for me because I get to influence the next generation to not just be a bunch of USB stick plugging, cake throwing, table stompers, you know? Sure. It's, it's yeah. a good feeling. <laughs> and I told them that on the first day. I was like, if you want to throw cake, you know, there's a couple bakeries around, um, not in this classroom. And you know, I get to really uh, get stirred on people for being boring and uh, congratulate them for being weird, which is the best kind of teacher to be, I think. That's very cool. That's <laughs> Let very them cool. throw cake. If you, if you must throw <laughs> cake, we have a bakery around here. Um, so uh, do, you, do you teach any classes on arrangement then? Uh, that's Because that's with, with production, that's always the thing that interests me because that's the thing I struggle with the most is the arrangement. So is that... Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of become, you know, I sort of put it in there because that was a huge like uh, thing that the department actually notices here is they went, you know, we're so hung up on technology and we teach mixing, we teach all this stuff and we hardly talk about songwriting. So I put it in, but that being said, it's a very interesting profile. It's different than uh, teaching your average producer because I find that a lot of producers in electronic music, they actually come from not being musicians. Like a lot of people get motivated to get into this because they don't play an instrument, right. you know, like Megan, Megan is one of the fewer people I know and that, and this is also kind of a crossover to live acts, but a lot of strictly electronic people are just like, I don't play anything, but I want to make music. Whereas at Berkeley, you've got a lot of these like jazz nerds. So mm -hmm. if anything, they know how to write a song in a verse chorus, verse structure. And I just have to get them out of their box in that way and say, nah, you can make a weird breakdown and, you know, think right. in sound effects and transitions. So yeah. in a way I'm kind of deconstructing arrangement as they know it at least. Yeah. And I, I can totally relate to that too. Cause I come from, um, an instrument background and playing in bands and writing, you know, your, your AB, ABC type, uh, format and stuff like that. And then trying to sit down and, you know, produce something like more of an electronic vibe. It's a real struggle to kind of strip it back like that. Cause I'm like, wait, is it like, really just 16 bar blocks like that or I mean, oh yeah it's all and you know it's all simpler yeah. simpler is better is the really hard concept to grasp and I, I think that I bridge this gap in an interesting way because I also I come from you know classical piano training as a child and so even when I just got into punk in high school it was so hard for me to grasp dissonance mm -hmm. you know and to this day like when I first started making tunes and my bass would be perfectly in key I was like this sounds like 
happy birthday. Like, why does it sound so lame? Um, and I realized that detuning and dissonance and atonal elements are such an essential part, you know, the contrast that you don't want everything to be perfectly in key and harmony if you're trying to make bangers, especially. So that's, that's mm. an interesting thing to explore being a traditional musician, I think. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, you talked about, uh, you, when you were a kid, you were classically um, trained in like writing some tunes. When did you start write, kind of writing your own music? You know, I've been kind of writing little songs. Like when I was a little kid, I was a super weirdo. I used to hum when I would wake up from my naps. And of course, back then, my repertoire was really limited. It was like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and Mary Had a Little Lamb. And, you know, I kind of moved beyond that. And I think probably when I was about 11 or 12, I started joining bands. And it's kind of been funny because my whole life, I've always just instinctively gone to the back of the room, to the back of the band. You know, I wanted to play bass. I wanted to kind of quietly just contribute and sort of be behind the scenes. And for whatever reason, and throughout my whole life, people have pushed me into the front. And the guys in my band would say, oh, you should sing. Oh, we want you to sing. And so, okay, you know, I guess I can turn my angsty goth poetry into songs. Fine, I'll stop crying. <laughs> <laughs> and then, it, you know, my first songs were punk songs. And then I started going to raves and it became, you know, DJ stuff. And then quickly I was like, I'm bored. I want to make my own beats. <laughs> so what kind of, um, like what year about was this? Guess. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice Pat. Yeah, I'm just curious. I'm curious. I'm gonna I'm gonna vaguely say somewhere near the end of the 90s. Okay, so that now this is why I brought this up, Megan. You look that's okay. At me. Yeah, yeah. This so is this is exciting. why I brought this, this up because now I want now I want to ask what type of technology you used back then to like make beats. Like yeah. So that's the thing is I probably would have started even sooner. Um, I, I, you know, I was DJing, I played my first gig as a DJ in 98 and I wanted to make beats even then, but back then you really didn't have digital production in that way. And, you know, the biggest option of the producers that I was hanging around was the $4,000 emu sampler with eight megabytes of memory oh, with wow. like one little disc that you had to take out and you know replace so it's just it was a lot different of a scale you still needed that expensive studio gear to really do anything and even then you could just do these very primitive loops so in 2000 was really the first time I started messing around with it because it was like fruity loops one and rebirth right. and I think Ableton had just shown up and so at that point I started messing around with that and Cubase and it was just so primitive compared to what we can do now. You know, it's, it's interesting to hear how much just the available technology shapes our music. Cause a lot of people who aren't producers don't really think about that, but right. you know, I kind of think, yeah, we have shorter attention spans, but we can actually also do really crazy things instantly that we could never do at all. Even, you know, seven, eight years ago. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Even in the last couple of years, like, I mean, just with the serum coming out and just like the, the ease of use of it is has been kind of like a game changer. Yeah, it's really um, so amazing how that changed specifically, I think, because it gave visual meaning to the movements that you were modulating. Right. Like up until then, it was sort of like a console or like operating an airplane. And you're just kind of like, what are all these little, uh, I, I sort of understand that, but not really. But, you know, with Serum, it was just like, I can draw a shape and that's what my sound looks like. Exactly. So, yeah, it's really helped with teaching for sure. I mean, anything I can explain synthesis to people in five minutes with serum. So thank you, Steve Duda. <laughs> yeah, thank you, sir. Um, that's awesome. So, you know, I was doing a little bit of of reading about you on your Wikipedia page. I don't know if you visit that often, but it mentioned something. <laughs> it mentioned something about uh, you being on MTV Canada. Is that true? Back when you were younger. This was a very, a very long time ago. Um, and <laughs> yes! that's a funny, that's a funny story because uh, I remember it pretty clearly because I thought it was so weird. So they wanted DJs to DJ basically during the countdown, you know, they would like play videos and then there's actually like a live audience. And so the DJ was playing really just for the, the live audience to keep them hyped in between. But they, I think it had to do with them not even wanting to pay licensing fees. So they never actually aired what I was playing, they put other music over top of it. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> no shit. 
what the yeah. fuck? So was it like their their TRL kind of like a countdown? Uh, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it on you know to be honest, it wasn't really a particularly. It was it's like a satellite cable channel because we had much music. That's what we had. That oh was yeah, like sure. Canadian things. So mm-hmm. when MTV Canada came along, they were sort of trying to infiltrate this market from, you know, channel 132. So I don't really know how great that was. Um, but you know, it, it's a fun experience at, at this point. I've just had so many like weird experiences that that one just stands out for being like, yeah, I basically, uh, <laughs> Millie Vanilli DJed on <laughs> television. That's pretty sweet. I mean, that's kind of cool. Hilarious, dude. <laughs> Well, that's um, a perfect segue into one of the questions I'd wanted to ask you. Um, uh, what would you say are some of the craziest or your favorite experiences that you've had touring? Oh, there's there's so many of them. And, and this is I'm getting to this weird point in my career where I've been touring for longer than many of my fans have been alive. So that's super weird. But uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, honestly, most of my great stories about weird times are old because I think in modern times, like now that electronic music is more normalized and mainstream, sure, you have sketchy stuff happen, but it's not nearly on the level uh, that it happened when it was sort of, you know, illegitimate. Yeah. And like yeah. a couple a couple of highlights would be like, uh, I remember playing a New Year's party where the promoter didn't really actually book the venue and broke into it. So <laughs> we showed up to play and there was like a big chain and padlocks on the gates. And then we all stood around looking confused and the promoter shows up. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, hold on guys, one sec. And just hops over the fence. <laughs> and we're kind of going, uh... <laughs> Okay, I don't want to get arrested here, you know, right. and that's and that was kind of the old school rave thing. But I think that was the first time I'd literally seen somebody break and enter in front of me. <laughs> uh, and this, this was in Vancouver. And we we had a really weird rave scene because it was always super illegal there. You know, when San Francisco, places like that were having cool clubs that were on the come up, Vancouver was still after hours. And in a way, I think that was the awesome thing because we really had a strong underground scene so even when the massive mega clubs came in they couldn't displace us but for instance i had one residency uh drum and bass back when i played that where i shared it It was a fetish club Uh, it was the only club in town that would allow electronic music so the guy's name was tiny he was about 400 pounds and (laughs) he kind of just was that kind of guy that you know that you turn around and he's got the ball gag and the leather thong on in in five seconds and (laughs) i tried not to sit down at that venue because i had no idea what usually went on on those tables and benches smart and yeah and we had a drum bass weekly but probably my still my favorite tour story is uh in 2004 i was i was pretty young i'm just gonna say that and i was really excited because i was getting flown to play in taiwan and it was my first time really kind of on this massive scale like in asia it's it's pretty crazy how much they sort of fan out like the, the art of the fan is insane level so you know when we showed up there was giant billboards over the 7-eleven with with all the dj's names and photos and of course they spelled my name wrong uh but it was just a really surreal experience and then we had a personal driver uh, a five-star hotel but when we finally got to the festival we were basically in the middle of a monsoon and it was raining so hard it was sponsored by heineken and they wouldn't give us water they would only give us heineken what? So, <laughs> I'm, That's I'm walking good. around. I'm walking around in this monsoon, and you know, hardly anyone's out because there's literally water blowing sideways. I'm just like, can I just have some water? No, you can have beer. You can have beer. So finally, I'm kind of thinking, am I even going to play? Because this is crazy. No, you're going to play. And four stagehands with giant pieces of cardboard form this box around me, <laughs> and I literally play my whole show, not seeing anyone inside a handmade cardboard enclosure. <laughs> just, this is amazing. This is great. Yeah, yeah. With the, with the water and you know, people the the few people that were there just kind of like miserably sitting there soaking. And then of course, the horrible ending to this is then I went and ate oysters from the buffet and got extreme food poisoning. And at the oh, time, no. I was still working a job, and I had to be back at my job literally the next day. So they put me on this twenty hour flight, just still you know, bad seafood puking and it was the worst flight i have ever had in my, oh my entire God, life I bet. Be terrible. 
Dude, speaking of yeah. spelling your name wrong, by the way, um, I <laughs> I got super stoked because uh, my friend Christian, who runs First Earth, was doing the designs for the merchandise for Gem and Jam this year, and mm-hmm. he does these really cool illustrations. So I was pumped to go buy one because they had you know my name on it this year, and they fucking spelled mm-hmm. it wrong on what? all the merch. <laughs> Literally well, all the posters, you, all the t-shirts, sweatshirts, everything. My name is really? spelled wrong. Yeah, did but it, like was the, it H A N? Did they do H A N? Yeah, and like, and like none of the posters for like the venue for the show, like the actual ones, like the promotional posters. Right. It's all correct. Yeah, but like yeah. all the merch has my name spelled wrong. So, out mm. of spite, I didn't buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! Uh, I don't know how your your name is a pretty easy one. I would think. I know, and it's like if you're gonna spend X amount of dollars. To, to bring me to this thing like you might want to check my face like look at my facebook page what maybe once i don't know just a thought yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh promoters yeah and most of my sketchy stories or, or funny stories are, are always some promoter that's just weird i mean most recently i played a festival in atlanta where uh, i walked in and the promoter had just gotten arrested for something major and needless to say every single person's checks bounced hundreds of thousands of dollars like because the promoter was in jail <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Mm. That's yeah, insane. It does always seem like it's the promoter, you know? Yeah, I hate it to say it. Seems I mean, like it. dude, the worst <laughs> is when they send a runner to pick you up that isn't actually a runner. It's just like someone mm-hmm. who's also going the same direction and yeah. like happened to be where you are. And <laughs> I've had like I <laughs> I like had to put this into my contract that like I think it says like no homies can do like it has to be professional because I had somebody pick me up in British Columbia um, and we drove about three hours south to go to this festival called Fozzy Fest, which actually ended up being like one of the funnest festivals I've ever played. But we got like I I think I played at midnight and we started to roll up to the festival about like 930 p.m. So I was like, cool, this is great timing. I'll have a couple hours to like do whatever I want, you know, check out the grounds and shit. And, like, you got to go through the woods for, like, the last 20 minutes of this drive. Well, we get, like, extremely lost in the middle of, like, buttfuck Egypt, British Columbia. I think I walked into Montana by accident at some point. Like, dead serious. We were on, like, smuggler trails. But anyway, the car got fucking stuck in the mud. We had no service. There's, like, literally probably grizzly bears, like, within proximity. And... So we just started kind of aimlessly walking because we knew we were with, within like a 10-minute drive of it, but we were just like completely fucking lost. <laughs> and like at 11.30, somebody came and found us and rushed me to the festival and I went on stage. Oh, man. Yeah, homies <laughs> or or like super fans that are doing it for a free ticket and as yeah. soon as you get in the car, they play you all your own music. Would you rather have that though? Would you guys rather have that or would you rather have the person that plays you their, mu- their music because they're trying to... I've had that. <laughs> Holy shit. That's the even better one. Uh, just, oh, that's a that's a tie for me. Honestly. Yeah, no. <laughs> the best too is that they don't mention it, that it's theirs. They just like... They just will put it on, like, kind of wait for you to be like, ooh, it's this is dope. What's this? So they can be like, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's this? <laughs> oh, it's me. I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> Dude, that, um, we, we had that one time. So I used to, I used to play guitar with Megan live, uh, L, and we were up in Whitefish one time, Whitefish, Montana. Uh-huh. And I think we were out, I was out late. Um, anyway, I think Megan, you went to bed, but some, some guy was like, you, can you give this flash drive to Megan? It has some of my productions on it and whatever. And there's like <laughs> three songs on it. It's like 180 gig flash drive or something like that. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I mentioned it to you and you're like, I don't care. So I have 180 <laughs> gig flash drive now for free. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't recall this interaction. <laughs> oh, well it's mine now. Yeah. Well, yeah. lucky. Yeah. You. Yeah. Gifts are interesting, and sometimes people try to give me gifts, and I'm like, are you out of your mind? You realize I'm about to get on an airplane, one, so even if I did (laughs) do that thing that you're trying to give me, I would not, too. (laughs) Dude, I feel you. We've talked about this a lot. It's just people are so generous. They just want to give you something for, like, inviting them to have 
a good time at your show or whatever, you know. But it's it is funny sometimes people will be like, This is my favorite, whatever and I'm like, No, it isn't. Like yeah. <laughs> you just had it with you by chance. Oh, yeah, people who give you like crystals and shit like I that. I get a lot of rocks, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, you do get a lot of rocks. Yeah, but you? you know, a lot of my friends like rocks, so they still like get to live a good life. Yeah. It's true. Go. No, and I like I like the crystals. I actually back at home I have a little shrine because I'm I'm definitely like as much as I joke, I am super grateful that somebody cares that much. Yeah. And I you know like and then when I'm sometimes having a bad day, I'll just sit among my crystals and go, Yeah, these are all people who liked me enough to give me this thing. Hey. It yeah, is cute. That yeah. is pretty cool. That is it is and it really is a nice gesture and we shouldn't you know, we're not like Yeah, no, I'm not, not like on it. I've got some it. of the coolest things ever from people. Somebody wire wrapped one of my skull pins and made it into a necklace for me and that was really, really cool. I wear that quite frequently still. Shout out to AJ Taft. I know that shout man. out. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Anyway. So, uh, what's your favorite thing to eat out there, Elle? Oh, every, I mean, I feel like food was just invented here. Like since I've been here, because <laughs> literally everything that, that is a specialty is just something like, for instance, um, things that are really cheap here, seafood, black truffles, like just all this, like, you know, gourmet fancy, I'll have it for a treat. And, you know, then I'll feel guilty because I've just spent the extra premium at the restaurant that all that stuff here is like cheap at the grocery store. So my favorite thing, which is cheaper than cheap is mussels here. You can get for like two euros for a kilo, which is like two, over two pounds. Whoa. So it, it just, you know, it's just a regular thing now. That's nine by bucks here. I know. So it's, it's kind of nice. And it's interesting because the, the, there's not a lot of like beef. And uh, I think that now I'm starting to really notice how heavy it is because I ate it the other day. And all of a sudden I was like, why do I feel just like tired and oh, oh my God. And I mean, I've always loved beef and living in Colorado. It's like, yeah, I had a farmer. I have a cow share. I, I bought like a quarter of cow and now I'm all about squid because that's yeah. what we got. Yes. Nice. So. Yeah, we were uh, pescatarian for January, and that was, it felt like, honestly, just being spoiled the whole entire mm-hmm. time. It didn't feel like oh, a it's punishment. So good. It's and now so I haven't good eaten any beef good. since, and it's, it, I don't even care. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's awesome. It and wine here is cheap. I want to eat a good steak here soon, but, like, no, I don't, like, I don't have inclination to get the burger at every restaurant I go to at this point, no. Yeah, I yeah. hear you. Yeah. What about, are you back on, like, chicken and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm going to make chicken wild rice soup tonight. Nice. With almond flour. Oh, I love watching your uh, food posts whenever you make something. It's always so pro-looking. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I had so much ambition yesterday morning. I made these, like, uh, applewood sausage, sausage stuffed mozzarella sticks that were just keto. Mm. So it was basically just like I put mozzarella and Parmesan on a nonstick pan and then I rolled a sausage inside of it and made like mozz sticks out of it. And it was the best thing ever. I want to make some right now. That's awesome. I was laughing at one of your posts the other day, Megan, because you were like, oh, I made this chili. Got to get a seasonal depression. Get something through (laughs) seasonal depression. And you like, you just got back from, uh, you were back for like one day. You had just been uh, gone for two weeks in the South, like yeah, okay. on vacation. Okay, yeah, because you that seasonal depression hey, bullshit. Okay, get bent, sir, because uh, <laughs> first of all, I came back here and it was negative 11. Yeah, so I know. So fuck that. I yes, know. I was depressed. I get it. That's I mean, awful. That's fucking awful. Why do we live here? I don't know. How's the weather there, Elle? Oh, it's great. I mean, I've been watching pictures of the snow in Denver and I'm sure out where you are too, but it doesn't really get to freezing here. So there's like palm trees and, you know, we're by the ocean, but it's, it's pretty nice. It it doesn't even rain very often. I have a little electric scooter and I just scoot around the city. Just scooting around. That's great. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. So you got any like uh, releases coming up here that you're stoked about? Or are you planning any releases while you're working? I'm sure that's like a lot to juggle. Yeah. And you know, it's so crazy. I I can't be unique with this, but it seems to me with my life, either like nothing's happening or enough stuff for the rest of my life is happening all within like one day or one week or some <laughs> stupid right. absurd period, you know, and this is just 
the cycle of my life. Like this last year was, was really tough because I had music, but I didn't have enough time to really pursue getting it out in the right places. And then I found out I was taking this job and it honestly took me half the year just to deal with moving here in a rush and all the stuff. So now I've kind of been backed up a little bit. And of course, everything just started to click into place at once. Um, I actually am dropping, you know, at whatever, once this comes out, it will have just been out, but I'm about to drop this album. Uh, it's pretty special to me and it has to do with tribal gathering, which is the festival in Panama that I go to every year. Last year, I actually built a recording studio in the middle of the jungle. And the special thing about it is, is that they actually bring over 60 indigenous tribes from around the world to present, to play music and to do all kinds of things. So I was recording people from Bolivia, people from Australia, people from Africa, and kind of collaborating and performing with them as well. So I came back with a ton of samples, loops, jams, uh, raw recordings and things like that. And because of this move, it took me some time, but I finally just put my nose to the grindstone uh, when I was on break and I finished an EP of my interpretations of those samples. So I'm actually going to drop that um, this week. And I also made a half hour little documentary thing about the whole experience because I was filming the whole time. And, you know, it's not some fancy, well-lit, whatever. We had one bulb that I stole out of a tent. We really didn't have a lot, but we had a lot of fun and we made a lot of cool music. So it's a really different thing for me because I also thought that I was going to have a lot of producers working on it and it was going to be a compilation. And when it came down to it, it ended up just being me. So I said, I'm going to take this challenge and go, how many styles of music am I capable of making? Because I wanted to not just have an Alicia bass banger album with some tribal samples. Like that wasn't what I was going for. So you know, there's a techno track on there. There's a grime track. There is like a bass track. There's like some flute trap. There is really six, six totally different tracks on it. And um, that's all going to come out this week. That's very cool. And then where, where can we watch the documentary? Is that going to be on your YouTube? Yeah, I'm actually going to stream it. Uh, I guess it's going to be tonight late tonight and it's going to be early tomorrow morning for me. And I've been really working on We Out Here, which is the uh, female creator network. Uh, Megan was in our first episode, which I don't know, Megan, if you noticed that it blew up and we got like almost 100,000 views. I did not see that. I, I, w- I watched that. Oh my guys. God, that's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so that's really, that's a passion project for me. Um, I just really want to normalize. Like, I don't really want to talk about being a, a girl anymore, but I don't think that I can or anybody can stop that until it just becomes a non sequitur. So right. I really think that the, the cure or the antidote is, is, I don't really love all female lineups. I don't love this, like, let's put them in a special box because we need a special place for them to play their special girl music you know I just it drives me crazy you know Megan and I've had plenty of conversations yeah. about this but uh I just think okay just show girls doing things and show lots of them and show quality and eventually people will stop asking about that so yeah. you know we've been doing some streams we had a launch party in the fall and then yeah that first episode dropped with a bunch of comedy skits and of course it's and it's all about Megan uh, <laughs> and uh I, it was really cool because I posted in a a pantsuit nation, which is like a, a women's support group on <laughs> Facebook awesome. that has, yeah, it has 3 million plus members. And so that's kind of, people really started resonating with it and kind of made me feel good. I'm like, okay, yeah, people actually do want to watch us just be dorks and funny and all that stuff. So I'm going to be streaming it through all of our channels as well as my own and hopefully just continuing to promote more content through there because I really want people to see this portal that's just cool stuff happens to be girls. No big deal. It's just cool stuff. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Um, you kind of touched on on something that I wanted to ask you um, about the this new project and how diverse it is. And, you know, looking back through your whole career, you've made pretty much every variety of music. And I wanted to ask you if there's like a favorite that you that you have, or if you, you think of them all as like your children equally or how, how you approach it. Well, you know, it's interesting because it's, I feel like a contradiction sometimes because although I love electronic music for the possibilities, there's a couple things I've always really hated. And that is repetition and roboticism. 
<laughs> so it's kind of funny that I would choose to sit around making loops all day. But uh, I was never really like I appreciate, say, modular synths and old school drum machines and classic stuff. I have a lot of respect for it. But I'm really drawn to broken beats and loose beats uh, in the pocket, off the grid a little bit. Mm-hmm. I really like having that live feeling with crazy sounds from outer space, you know, they, it, I don't just want to be programming mechanical, you know, and then that's sort of, that's sort of why I've traditionally stayed away from house and I've kind of learned to enjoy house and techno by integrating tribal percussion and, and just really complex polyrhythms right. over top of it. But Gives it like more its, of an organic type of a feel to it. Exactly. And it just yeah. has a swing, but I, I can't really deal with very gridlocked, very sterile kind of stuff. And some people I know really love that, which is cool, but I'm I'm really all about not just broken and loose beats, but integrating organic and samples and sources. You know, I really love taking field recordings or taking live recordings and transforming them. Um, recently, like last year, I put out a massive vocal based pack on splice and i say vocal based because it's it's not a vocal pack it's a pack made from vocal sources but it includes resampled wavetables and presets for serum and all kinds of weird synthetic stuff but from an organic source which is what i really love that's super cool yeah i i think like um and i i, I could be wrong but how i view the trend happening right now and again maybe it's just like because this is what i'm looking at but i th- I feel like we're kind of going that direction at least in electronic music that it's becoming a little bit more integrated with um uh, like you said like more of like a broken beat or more organic more natural um sounds i guess or people are sampling stuff from you know out some field recordings or doing whatever to kind of get their their sound design down. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think even in the most apocalyptic of robotic futures, you have to have that spark of humanity, however you get it, you know, you don't have to use organic sources, but maybe then you have that loose groove that you actually played in or Mm -hmm. some kind of element because contrast is life, right? Otherwise it's just all gray. Right. Yeah. Good point. So, uh, I just going to give you a heads up. I'm running a little bit low on my, um, hard drive space but i think we're gonna be good i think we'll be fine it's i've just been kind of like trying to delete some things here i don't know if you heard the trash noise happening but um i think we're gonna be good i haven't gotten the warning yet so just to freak you out for yeah. nothing. no 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 i think it's we're gonna be good chat we'll remember this no 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 i think i just wanted to to let you guys know that but i think we're gonna be all right it's- all right l you got anything coming up that you're stoked about tour announcements or um, well, yeah, I mean, the release the release this week is going to be good. And I'm, I actually have a, a regular sort of release coming out on Moody in a couple months. And it's interesting because I'm, I'm kind of going through a major metamorphosis as an artist. And, you know, I think it kind of comes with this hitting that point where last time I saw you, I was a little frustrated anyways. And I think just when you do anything for a really long time and, you know, in artist years, I'm like 700 years old. So, um, you know, you just get to this point where you're like, I, I need to change. I'm never going to stop making music, but I knew that I needed to stop making it by the parameters of like the Arkansas tour circuit, you know, which, which is a headspace that I just had been in for too long. So, I'm kind of feeling relieved. And I also started making music just for me again, which is not always for the dance floor or like for the bass nectar ketamine 4 p.m. crowd or something. And it's <laughs> it's kind of like a return to roots. Like there's there's some songwriting and it's more of a, 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 I guess, a crossover album. And up until now, I've been afraid to even write that stuff because usually I can't play it in my sets. You know, I have a lot of last tracks like, oh, I'll just play this at the end. And I realized I want to make that stuff into something I can play all the way through and maybe in an environment where people are listening to the nuances and not just the bass bins, which I will always love. But I think that, you know, I have to make room in my life for that stuff. And and perhaps part of the reason I was frustrated is because I was sort of just fulfilling a formula, not necessarily truly authenticity. So this release on Moody is 
I don't, I don't think I'm going to retire Alicia, but I think I'm sort of transforming a bit and it's, it's kind of a harder release. Like it's a lot of halftime, a lot of nasty stuff, uh, a lot of really aggressive mixing. And it's kind of like that dance floor side of me. And I said, I really want to get these songs out. Cause I think they're good. I think they're solid. I think they're really sound designy and weird and fun. And once those are out, it's like, I can kind of let go of a lot of stuff and I have a new project um, it has a different name uh, I won't say what it is yet but I'm hoping that I can kind of come back and continue to play shows and do what I love and at the same time maybe have this alternate ego uh, identity of hey I, I can also play in your theater at eight o'clock and play the piano and sing and have people actually really listening in a, in a different way than has been my norm for the last few years. So yeah, two releases over the next few months. And then I'm, I'm probably going to be doing, I'm actually playing in Barcelona this weekend and I'm starting to do some shows in Europe. So that's exciting in itself because I feel like even the whole scene is less based around huge excessiveness. You know, it's, it's a lot more subtle. It's got some kind of older roots with electronic stuff and, Mm-hmm. almost like this sound that I'm cultivating is maybe even it, it's a perfect time to be here in my musical evolution, I think. So I'm excited to see what happens. And I've actually been doing a lot of work uh, in kind of backend stuff. That's, that's just fun in a different way. You know, um, I do some music for licensing and recently really getting into apps and games. And I've been working with uh, Ninja Tune on this cool new app which I, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about it, but it's a really cool app. It's going to launch soon. And I've been making sounds for that. So kind of just feeling myself providing sounds to in a whole different scape in a whole different atmosphere, different personality. So I think this is going to be an interesting year. Yeah, see what very, happens. That's very cool. To like touch on what you said about you having to kind of like find a new direction right now, or, you know, like I, I think it's a hot topic of conversation right now anyway, that just in general, women have to constantly reinvent themselves more than men do. And Mm -hmm. that's been a thing, you know, for a long time. And it's being talked about again right now via like Taylor Swift and, you know, like Dua Lipa and um, her and all the very successful billboard like charting artists of right now have talked about how even, you know, Taylor Swift's 30 years old. She's had to reinvent herself several times as it is. And, you've had to do it over and over. And I think one of the first conversations that we've, we actually ever had with each other, you said something I've quoted to a lot of people. You were kind of saying that you were, it was another time. I think it was about five years ago. I think you were working on kind of reinventing your sound as well. And you described the reasoning really well to me and said that every day someone turns 18 and someone turns (laughs) 30. Yeah. And, um, if you think about it that way, it totally makes sense why we're constantly feeling this need to reinvent ourselves because yeah, people come into the scene, people find things based on, you know, what's popping at the moment or what they're looking for or whatever. And people get moved past this in their lives too, when they're, you know, 30 or whatever you want to. Oh, the thing that's tripping me out is, you know, getting to the point where finally the, the retro stuff that's in is stuff that I went through the first time, you know, like <laughs> right now in uh, H&M in Europe, all this like MTV 90s style, like Clueless is coming back. And I was like, yeah, I was actually in like middle school wearing thigh highs and like plaid uh, skirts and all this, <laughs> all that stuff. So it feels, it feels super weird. And I was like watching some TV show the other night and they was breaking into a room that had been sealed for 20 years. And inside there was a Radiohead poster of <laughs> an album that I got when it came out. I'm like, no, <laughs> dude, that reminds me. I saw one of my friends on Facebook the other day. She has a little girl and she was walking around Walmart with her, I guess. And like skater boy came on and she started singing it to her daughter and her daughter like asked who it was and she's like this is Avril Lavigne and her daughter's like is she still alive and like <laughs> she just like fucking died inside 
That's pretty good. Dude, this is funny. Like I was actually just having this um, same conversation with my with my manager at work the other day about how we've witnessed some of the trends already now coming back and we're like, God, we're so old. I know the bucket hat yeah. one pisses me off because I co- I collected bucket hats when I was like ten. Yeah, and now they're like hot shit again. Now are it's they? twenty years later. Yeah, bucket hats are super so hot right now. Really? Oh man, I gotta go get me a bucket hat. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I had my but collection yeah. still. What the fuck? I think the best thing though about that is like we kind of have this. I don't want to say responsibility because you know nobody owes anyone shit, but like as sort of I don't want to say elders as as. as <laughs> As experienced, uh, somebody described me once in a bio as a veteran, and I was like, you just made me 90 years old. But <laughs> experienced people in the scene, you know, we have to mentor like in, in a certain way where we're, we're kind of sharing our wisdom and we're also being open because one of the things that I see that weirds me out is electronic music people acting like, you know, doing the whole like – you want to say okay boomer to them because they're literally like back in the day house music was good and now these kids are just going out and rah, rah, rah. and it's like well maybe one if you just had an open mind and you tried to connect with them you could share all the stuff about your music that you like you know mm-hmm. and two come on like that was you and Right. Recently, my friend who I've known for many, many years, he he plays house. He still plays house. He's like an OG house guy. And he played at this place in Denver and I'd never heard of it, never seen it. Everybody there was like at least over 40, if not over 50. And it was funny because they're all sitting there. I could overhear them just like bitching about kids these days while doing drugs. And I'm thinking, you just don't want them to see you like all laced up like this. Like, stop being so judgy. And in fact, I have gotten so much reward. I mean, before teaching, I I run a really big discord for music production and quite a lot of the members are as young as, you know, some of them are 12, 13, 14. And the thing that you realize when you spend time with younger people is like, first of all, they're not these giant assholes that we treat them like, you know, a lot of, a lot of this whole like, oh, kids are selfish and they're oblivious. And it's like, actually, they might be more woke than you. Like they might actually have just come into life without that. Uh, oh yeah, women can't be producers. Like a lot of the young dudes I know, they just would never even think of saying the crazy stuff to girls that guys around my age still say sometimes. Yeah, so, totally, totally. Yeah. Is it Discord? You started um, when I was on your Wikipedia page, going down the rabbit hole. You were on. I didn't realize you had uh, founded uh, the Glitch Hop forums. Yes, I mean, and that was. A, I've always kind of loved community and collaboration and you know that's really why I got into music in the first place I was kind of a weird kid I didn't have a lot of friends and I always felt like every time I opened my mouth I would say something stupid or people just didn't get me and when I started opening my mouth and singing and making music I finally was like okay I can connect with somebody and so I've always wanted to sort of build these communities where people can connect and share info and glitch up forum was such a cool experience because to this day i'll still meet a random artist who says oh man i learned so much from the tutorials on that you know Mm -hmm. so it's a pretty cool experience to be part of that and not only that but i think that it really subverts the the narcissism that's all over the rest of the internet and you can't help it like your facebook you're you got to tell everybody what you ate all the time Mm -hmm. and what you did this morning and this is my me page but I think when you're in a community you can't just make a thread about yourself like that you know right you got to ask a question or answer a question or provide some kind of thing that requires interactivity and that's an important thing that I think we've lost a little bit and we we could use some getting that back right I think that the golf clap boys are doing a really good job of uh, doing that in their Facebook group and uh, like the Facebook group thing is becoming extremely popular right, right. now like obviously but yeah they have like 20,000 members in there and there's Seriously? always stimulating uh-huh. conversation happening and people are just chiming in left and right and asking questions and it's a really good forum um, for exactly what you were kind of talking about so it's cool that they're trying to build that up too and they're very OG just like you are you know mm-hmm. um, is nice. Glitch Hop forum still around it, you know, we re, you're, it's, it's still kind of archived. It, it got rebranded as bassmusic.io, but by the time the um, Dewey, who was the original programmer of that, by the time he did that, message boards had already kind of disappeared. Oh, like, sure. People aren't really doing message boards. I think the only time I see people using forums is just for like synthesizer help and stuff like that right. uh, with, with by the companies and stuff. But yeah, I think the sure. Discord, Discord is really that next evolution of the same thing. It's just an even more continuous conversation. And, 
you know, I was just an old school, like pre-internet. I was into the modem because like I said, I was a nerd. I didn't have many friends, but I could go on the computer and dial in using my phone line to another person who didn't have friends. <laughs> so the internet chat thing is just kind of very natural for me. And I actually really enjoy talking to other introverts and it's perfect because you can be an introvert and you can say, I don't want to be around people, but there's five minutes where I wouldn't mind talking to somebody. Cool. No, I'm going back to my studio now. Bye. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's, that's where we're at with that, but it's a great community. How do you feel as like an introvert? Cause I'm kind of introverted as well. How do you feel, um, after like a weekend of, of touring and like being out at shows, do you just feel exhausted? Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I think that I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. People really misuse the word introvert now to just mean shy, but it's like, no, you're an introvert. If you like physically hurt after like being around people for a certain amount of time, you know? And, um, I really feel that for sure. Like if I've I've just had people drop by, I just have to have my moment where I can just sit at home and do my own thing and just like not speak to anyone for a little bit of time. So, Mm -hmm. um, with touring, it's, it's, it's even weirder though, because you spend so much time really alone on a plane or in a hotel room. And then you go from that to being just like in your face, talk to everybody and like be up and be on. And I, I can't be tired because then somebody will think I'm mean. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do kind of always talk about that. It's unfortunate how like one, one small interaction because you just got off stage and you're exhausted or whatever can like be snowballed by one person and just all of a sudden you're a bitch or whatever, you know, like, yeah, I've had people stop me right when I've got off stage. Oh, oh, that was such a good show. And thank you. And I leave and then they'll tell people she didn't even want to talk to me. She didn't even make time to say hi to me. Like, Oh my God, yeah. give me a, just a break, j- yeah. just a second. But yeah, yeah, yeah I love like one snapshot and that's all of you apparently. <laughs> yep, totally. Yeah, and I have that, I have that even like at work, I bartend and if it's like a busy shift and I'm talking to a lot of people, like I got to go home, like right, <laughs> I have to go home and <laughs> well, get the Well, let me save you all the trouble. I'm a total bitch. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I... <laughs> Anyway, dude, it was super good to talk to you. Thank you so much for kicking it with us all the way from Spain. I can't even believe that. I'm yeah. so jealous of yeah, you. Yeah, we got to let you go. It's just bedtime probably over there, right? Oh, yeah. It's all good. It's it's only nine. Come oh, on. I'm not well, that old. Okay. I'm that old. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I love a good nine right? o'clock bedtime. Um, well, we would love to uh, catch up with you um, down the road. So maybe we can do this again, you know, uh, next time you have a little break. Next from time teaching. she's in town, Elle's going to do drunk history with us. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and what was your sure. topic that you had picked? Oh, I don't know. I might have been drunk when we picked it. I so think it I'm was like really... just like sound design, like the history of sound designers or like analog right. synthesizers or something. Yes, absolutely. I'm great. looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. And just to partying with you in general. I, I'm hoping I get to go see you with Alex maybe while you're still in Spain. So maybe we, uh, we'll record. Please do. I got a guest room and there's plenty of two euro wine and paella and all that stuff oh, waiting for you. Paella. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks dude. It was awesome to hear from you. We'll talk to you super soon. Cool. Talk to you later. <laughs> all right, Elle, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Valencia. We appreciate you. Hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast soon. We need to do a, a new Drunk History episode anyway. Yes. So if yes. you guys have any ideas, by the way, for what you would like to hear Drunk History on, please comment it on this post if you're on SoundCloud or send us a message or something because we want to know what you want to know. Yeah, I want to know what they want to know. <laughs> yeah, and what I want to know is, is all this shit off my face yet? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think you got most of it. Hell yeah. yeah you got some did. stuff by your lips still. Ooh. Like off to the sides. Ooh, that's hot. Yeah. Oh, my God. That one felt that was so good. I don't know if I can get my forehead. Oh. I was going to say my roof. <laughs> the roof. My forehead. Get the your roof face my mask off my roof. <laughs> your face roof. Uh, yeah, it is. The roof of my head. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, my God. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on this golden face facial episode. Of- <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>